0: The newly independent Xperi is now solely focused on products. We talk with its chief products officer about the smart TV, automobile, and DTS audio businesses and why independence is the key to future success.
1: And welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and Colin Dixon is with me as always. Hi there, Colin from Instagram Media. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing very well, Will. And uh, last week I, I mentioned uh, this uh, webinar I was doing called Supercharge DTC Growth with Hybrid Monetization. It was a great session. We had Sinclair and Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment and Zeit. that was really some great feedback on what you can do right now to start to boost your monetization with hybrid de- hybrid delivery. And uh, the recording is available. So if folks want to visit uh, the uh, either of our sites, we'll have a link to that recording so you can go check it out if you want to.
1: Awesome. And I watched a good part of that session, Colin. It was very interesting. I thought, well done. Good, good. Yeah,
0: I enjoyed it a, a lot. So anyway, we have some news stories today. Uh, so that's what we're going to get started. But we also, probably the biggest news uh, is all about Xperia breaking out. But we're going to get to that later because we have an interview to discuss that. Uh, but otherwise, we're going to do news first, right? Yeah, I
1: think so. And I think you're going first with Peacock, right? I
0: am. Jeff Shell, who is the CEO of NBCU, he sort of gave us a pre-look at how Peacock is doing. Usually they give us an update at the quarterly during the quarterly results, but he gave us an early update and he's pretty happy with what's going on. He says that Peacock has grown by two million since last quarter to 15 million paid subscribers. And it's also grown its monthly active users. Remember, there are two tiers here. One's a free tier and uh, there are actually two paid tiers. Uh, So the monthly active users is really a reflection of how the free is doing. And that was up 3 million to reach 30 million. So that's really pretty good performance. And one of the things he pointed at as being a key reason for the growth was that they stopped providing shows that had just been broadcast on the NBC channels to Hulu. And those now come to Peacock you if you if you want to watch the latest run shows you have to come to peacock and that he attributes to a lot of the growth although i think those are mostly that's mostly to do with the with the paid subscribers because i think they're behind the paywall that's what he attributes the growth to and be interesting to see will what happens with hulu we won't find out until November 8th how they did in the third quarter, uh, at least the, quarter, the third calendar quarter, because they don't re- announce results until November 8th. But it should be really interesting to see what happens to Hulu. I'm actually expecting a small drop in Hulu subscribers because of this. Uh, not three mi- not 2 million, because a lot of people will stick, stick around with Hulu, even though they are also going over to Peacock. But... I bet they will see a small drop.
1: Yeah, this is kind of what we've been waiting to see happen is NBCU pulling over some of its big shows um, from Hulu into Peacock. And now that it's happening, it seems like it's benefiting, as you said, benefiting uh, Peacock. And it's going to show up in some way in the numbers in Hulu, although we'll wait another month to find out exactly how.
0: Yeah, and the story with Hulu just keeps just keeps rolling, right? Because then in the fourth quarter they're putting the price up. They're increasing the price of Hulu. So I mean we just need to see what happens with subscribers. Usually fourth quarter is pretty good for pretty yeah. good for services. So it might be the price increase might be hidden a little bit because people come in because they want stuff to watch for the holidays. Uh, But i got a feeling both of those things are going to have a pretty negative impact on Hulu subscriber numbers. So we may see drops in that for for about the first time, I think.
1: Yep, we'll wait and see. And let me just jump in quickly with my news item, which is uh, Vizio announced, Vizio ads announced this week that they closed their upfront with over 200 million in commitments from agencies, brands and studios. And that was a very impressive growth of 100% year over year last um, year they had announced a hundred million dollar upfront season and last year they said that was up fourfold from the prior year so if you kind of string those dots together it means that they've grown from roughly a 25 million upfront in 2021 to a 200 million plus upfront in 2023. And Vizio said that there were a number of different reasons reasons for the strong growth, including the migration from linear to streaming, uh, along with their better targeting and measurement of direct-to-device advertising. They also cited their expanding library of programming on watch free plus which is their fast service and buyer demand for uh, what they call data informed advertising and home screen engagement offerings so those are uh, certain types of um, ad formats that visio is able to offer so uh, clearly strong growth from visio there's obviously been a lot written about the um, impact of the recession or coming recession on the ad business and Vizio uh, is growing in spite of that, which is impressive. It is will and it's doubly impressive.
0: I was looking over their numbers for their platform plus business which basically houses the advertising piece. In 2020 they made 112 million. in 2021 they made 211 million and now they have two they already have 200 million in commitments. So I have a feeling they're going to do really, really well in 2022. They're really hitting it out of the park. And I think they're probably doing quite a bit better than folks like Samsung and LG because they do such a great job of promoting that free content when you turn the TV on. There's just, you know, you've got the hero bar there and bring up a lot of the really great content that they have in the watch-free service. So I bet they draw a lot of eyeballs just because of those ads, and that's something that LG and uh, Samsung are just not doing. So they're really hitting it out the park right now with their platform business.
1: Sounds that way. And I think we want to get started with our interview now. Yes, we do.
0: And I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, Gear Skodin. He's EVP and Chief Product Officer, Product and Services Officer, excuse me, at the newly independent Xperi. Gear, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Great to be here. Great to be here.
0: So you have some exciting news. We we invited you back because there's been quite a big change in the, in the structure of the company. So why don't you go ahead and brief us on that? What's, what's the big news?
2: Yeah, b- big, day, uh, big day yesterday. Uh, we um, have been working on this for years. It's been a tremendous amount of work uh, across across our company, but we have separated into two independent publicly traded companies. So yesterday here in New York, we uh, opened the New York Stock Exchange uh, by the, with the listing of Xperia. And at the end of the day, we closed the closing bell at the NASDAQ with the audio. So Xperia will now be uh, known uh, with its uh, existing brands and its existing profile serving its its existing customer base uh, across um, automotive, uh, consumer electronics, uh, pay TV, and our and media platform business. Um, this separation will give us an opportunity to reduce complexity in, in how we operate, you know, have much greater focus and removes all the potential dis- synergies that we saw in between the two businesses, uh, the product business that we're talking about as Experian and then the IP business, the, the IP licensing business that now will operate uh, under the name of Audio. So this gives, I think, our customers uh, a lot greater clarity around how we, how we engage with them, allows us to work closer with our partners. And it allowed both new companies to invest in the respective businesses without having to have a uh, concern about any form of dis synergy. So we're very excited about this milestone um, and um, and we now are really focused on, on uh, what we see as a great opportunity for new growth as Experian. Operationally, um, for those that have worked closely with us in the past, this is not necessarily uh, something that would represent change at all. Um, you know, <clears throat> the the teams have operated separately for, for the last two years and, you know, management as well as our customer-facing teams, engineering teams are all the same. So and from that point of view, there's very little change, if any, uh, for any of our partners or customers.
1: Congratulations, Pierre. It sounds like it was a lot of work to get this transaction done. Definitely, definitely.
0: So give us an idea of how big the company is. It's, I was quite surprised but you told me how many employees you had.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we have a global footprint with about 2000 employees. We operate in, in all the major regions. Uh, we have competencies for different, different elements of our business in, in Europe, uh, Ireland, Romania, Poland among, among some of the bigger locations. And of course, West Coast of the United States is kind of our home base. And then throughout Asia, we have both engineering and and customer-facing teams uh, that work on product development and delivery. So it's a a large uh, organization that's set up to operate with global scale and be able to service end users uh, as well as partners around the world. And the forecasted uh, revenue run rate is what year? Yeah, so so I think uh, as a public trading company, we 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 had a uh, you know uh, pr- perspective to investors. Uh, so just shy of five hundred million is is kind of the current revenue run rate, and then um, obviously we haven't given any any future direction yet. But we'll have our quarterly earnings call, and certainly as we get into the beginning of next year, provide more detail on that end.
0: Very good. So. Now we get to get into the juicy part, what I consider the juicy part, which is to talk about the products, which is what we what we love to hear about on the podcast. Um, so why don't we start first with a quick update on, on the TiVo business. Now, of course, we talked to you about the viewed purchase a few weeks ago and um, I urge people if they want to know more about the smart TV market and what TiVo is doing there, they should listen to that podcast. But you do have an update for us. Uh, when we talked before, there you didn't have, you, you weren't at liberty to mention uh, a license or for that. So why don't you tell us about this new license or that you have, and tell us what they're doing with the TiVo OS and the linear channels?
2: Very, very excited uh, at the, uh, IFA earlier um, last month, we announced Vestel as our first uh, partner to, that will be. Um, producing and delivering uh, the TiVo OS platform, or our independent media platform, on their smart TV starting first part of next year. Uh, Vestel is the largest independent uh, producer of TVs in Europe. They produce uh, over 10 million TVs a year. So they're in the, you know, definitely strong in the top five and they operate with, the, with a full range of brands, including Vestel, their own brand, but also uh, in Europe, they ship Toshiba, JVC, Polaroid, uh, Telefunken, to name a few. Uh, so, uh, this, is a, this is a long-term relationship over multiple years um, and um, it, will, uh, it, it will be able uh, for us to reach you know, multiple markets right out of the bat, so we are very excited about that. I think the industry um, feedback as we showcase that product uh, at IFA has been very, very uh, encouraging. I think there clearly is a need for an independent platform that um, allows TVOMs to brand the experience um, maintain customer ownership and participate in the long-term economics. So, so that is clearly something that uh, we're seeing a lot of interest in, and especially now that people have seen the product, I think the other element that um, that we're excited about is is how our position uh, and in this case, together with Vestel, being able to put forth an independent, unbiased. Uh, platform delivers a different kind of consumer experience and the was really the first time people could touch and feel the product uh, we want to we won a best in show award and and I think the feedback around the fact that you know a lot of the other alternative platforms are very vested in their own content um, in, in other words the experience is very much designed to keep you in certain silos you know where they own their own content or or and and I think where our our platform is different is that uh, we bring together the linear broadcast hybrid broadcast over IP and the streaming content in one integrated user experience and and we personalize the experience based on the user not uh, to biasing towards certain content components and this is something that we've we've been doing for many years in our pay TV market, where we have today's service over 30 million households, you know, our search and recommendation engine gets over 16 billion queries a quarter. So so we have a quite a bit of knowledge in how to curate the experience to the individual household in such a way that it makes it a lot easier to find, watch, and enjoy the content you want, regardless of the source. And what we're seeing is that that drives uh, much higher engagement and viewership, and that in turn uh, turns into opportunities over time, where you then uh, can, for the over-the-top channels, you then can, of course, also drive monetization and advertising. So, but but that experience differentiation, I think, is something that um, was first recognized uh, at IFA, given that we were able to showcase the product. So. So that's another element that I think gives us a lot of uh, enthusiasm from what we have in store for next year when this starts coming out to the broader consumer market uh, in Europe first. What is the branding
1: like in the Vestel partnership? Do uh, do consumers, viewers see a TiVo branding alongside Vestel? Um, Do they see Xperi branding? Do they see something else other than Vestel or is it solely meant to be white label for Vestel?
2: So it, it, it uh, Tivo is present as an ingredient brand, um, so it's powered by Tivo.
1: Yeah.
2: So this is very similar. Uh, if you uh, if you've seen our operator uh, experience uh, for IPTV or other markets, where you know the, the operator in that case, you know brands the home screen experience and and the overall you know customer engagement, but then uh, you know in the menu or, or in, in you know you'll have a, a, the Tivo moniker somewhere. that's just the, Tells the consumer that this experience is powered by Tivo, and that's the same in the TV environment. So, so the TV will be branded Vestel. They own the experience, you know, the startup experience, the 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 big screen uh, look and feel is all uh, curated by Vestel, obviously together with us. Uh, but we're present as an ingredient brand, uh, and and the way that's presented is powered by Tivo. So this is really a Vestel experience powered by Tivo.
1: And no doubt. Um Vestel is the first of many other partnerships that you're looking to forge with TV OEMs.
2: Yeah, I think we're very encouraged by uh, the conversations. You know, we have long business relationships through our C business. Uh, you know, with, with brands uh, such as DTS, IMAX, and So we have relationship, long-standing relationship with all the TV OEMs. So as we we shape this strategy, we clearly listen to to some of their pain points as it relates to the smart TV market. So I think it's not by accident that I think we've we've positioned ourselves and built our platform in such a way that it serves their business interests and and that we believe will be meaningful for them uh, economically over time, but also uh, it'll it'll drive scale quickly by them wanting to come on board and participating. Yeah, and if people want to get get a flavor for what
0: that experience is, they can just go pick up the TiVo 4K stream. It's one of my favorite uh, Dongle devices for enhancing the the television experience, for getting a a streaming television experience. And if you want to learn a lot more about what TiVo is doing in this market, just go check out our earlier interview with Gear from about three or four weeks ago. We'll include a link to that when we post this. But uh, I do want us to move on and talk a little bit about some of the other businesses that you're in uh, in Gear. So why don't you tell us about the automotive piece first?
2: Yeah, so you know, we have uh, a meaningful automotive business as the uh, as, as HD Radio, which is one of our major brands, is the digital standards for for radio in the U.S. Uh, over-the-air broadcast in the U.S. and that's been shipping on over ninety million cars. It's it's a, a very well-established product and uh, and supported by uh, all major broadcasters. I think there's about. Four or 5,000 stations all in that, that provides digital signals for those cars uh, covering all the major metro areas. So it's a nationwide platform and that has given us a, you know, a close relationship with really all major automobile mo- manufacturers as well as their, their key supply chain partners. <clears throat> I think what we're seeing in this market is, is really a renewed focus on in-cabin comfort, safety <clears throat> and entertainment. And we believe that you know, from our precision radio and the media platform we've built um, for streaming media, puts us in a position to really work with car manufacturers to innovate and drive a new level of experience in the car where you can bring together multiple content sources now that most, you know, 90% of, of cars will have connectivity when you get into 25, 26, which opens up opportunities for streaming Uh, in parallel to radio. We don't see radio. We still see radio as a major, major uh, source of entertainment in the car because I think it's very successful because it's free, familiar, and completely frictionless. And I think it's really important to to maintain that foundation for us. But what the new area will give us an opportunity to do is to intermix other content sources in that experience, which will enrich the radio experience but also um, provide users with, with things such as podcasting, video, and, and you know, really any content that could be relevant. And car makers are, are, I think, are looking at this partially because um, the growth of electric cars. Uh, people are charging, which takes longer than filling gas, so you spend more time in your car. Uh, there's also, of course, various forms of semi or fully auto- automated driving that's uh, emerging as well. So we see this is a very interesting cycle. Um, the other part that we're uh, focused on in cars is, is uh, in-cabin sensing so we have uh, an imaging strong competency in imaging facial recognition and that is becoming a safety feature that's um, emerging as a requirement in order for car makers to get high safety ratings in the future. Uh, in addition to that the in-cabin sensing also gives us and the automaker intelligence about what's going on in the cabin, which allows you to personalize and curate the experience in many different ways around comfort. But of course, for us, the entertainment piece is is super interesting uh, as these things converge.
0: Very good. So, uh, so actually, uh, the, the um, I love the HD radio. By the way, it's uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. I listen. My local classical station uh, broadcasts yeah. in HD and it sounds just fabulous in my car. I just wish I could find a good tuner for my home to use it, uh, but uh, I guess that's another another um, issue. Um, you also have DTS Audio, which, uh, which is extensively supported, right?
2: Yes, DTS Audio is, is one of the leading audio formats for digital audio and it's, it's found in about 80% of, of home AV equipment. Um, where We have a big franchise in gaming, um, so when you think about gamers, you know, immersive audio for gamers is, 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 is critically important, so we're supported on the on Xbox and PlayStation products, as well as a, a, a full range of, of headphones. And I think for a gamer, uh, it's, it's about immersing yourself in the game, uh, but it also is there's a competitive element to it and, and having a detailed understanding of the environment that you're in um, gives gamers a competitive edge that they seek. And uh, that's, that's really, I think, one of the reasons why our brand has had such uh, strong strong affinity in, in that, um, among that audience. And, and then, I would say, you know, the other part is, is home cinema, which is, you know, DTS originally was created uh, for digital cinema sound in, in 1993 when Steven Spielberg wanted to make his dinosaurs a little more realistic <laughs> with Jurassic Park. And, but building on that legacy, you know, today we are working very closely with IMAX. The IMAX enhanced format is an emerging premium premium streaming format for 4K HDR content and major studios are supporting that. Disney Plus is supporting that. We have uh, streaming services around the world supporting that platform as it it continues to grow And, and I think one of the things that happened during the pandemic was I think people refocused themselves on their homes and created a bit of an investment cycle but part of that outcome of that is now consumers are seeking more high-quality content as their equipment in the home is better and that's really where IMAX and enhanced and DTS uh, are trying to make impact so we have a big footprint we're seeing new demand for high quality experience in the home and we believe um, between IMAX enhanced and DTS we, we, we truly have something that's unique and differentiated and is certainly appreciated by content creators but also consumers, uh, as this is starting to hit uh, hit home uh, at larger scale.
1: Well, it sounds like you guys have a great portfolio of products Deer. Uh I know we're just getting ready to wind down with time. I don't know, Colin, if you had any last questions for Gear before we wrap up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell us a, a little bit about how you're thinking down your product lines for the near future. Gear. There's obviously there's lots of developments in all of the markets that you're active active in. Anything you can share with us about where you think you're going to take the company now that it's this new independent uh, publicly traded company
2: Yeah no I think I think we're going to focus on, on, on some of the areas we talked about I think for us uh, we see a broad market need for for a strong independent platform and I think that is really that extends for from, from our uh, for IPTV pay TV operators they will they want a strong independent platform we have a we service 30 million households already off that platform, but, but extending that into smart TVs and automotive, as we've talked about, uh, because we see a lot of the same needs. You know, The, the, the people that build the products, they do want uh, to... The, the content is such a huge part of the, of the future experience, whether you're in the car or, or you're at a home in front of your TV. So they, they want to have the opportunity to curate and brand that experience. Uh, but also, customer ownership is a big deal. You know, a lot of the alternative solutions really look at the customer ownership as their product, not their customer, but they use the data in order to build out their broader kind of um, big tech franchises. And that certainly has some value for users, but for the the car OEM, so the TV manufacturers, it really commoditizes their product in a way that's not in their long-term interest. And so I think you'll see us working closely with our partners, make sure we have flexible solutions that fit their business needs. And then most importantly, deliver unique experiences. And as I said earlier, I think there again, being an independent platform that can focus on the user in an unbiased way, I think is a meaningful, meaningful uh, differentiation for us that we think is gonna be valuable uh, as we get into the, the next couple of years.
0: Very good. That's um, that's uh, independent platforms. I think uh, are very healthy for the market. So uh, good luck. I hope I hope that all works out great. This has been great, Yeah, Thanks for the intro to the new Xperia.
2: We're we're excited to hear it. Yeah, thanks, Colin. And well, it's always great to talk to you guys. So uh, hopefully we'll connect again soon. You are. Thank, You're thank you. Congratulations to Thanks, dear.
0: Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.